Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Practical Faith, A House Divided, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on August 6th, 2017. How are you doing this morning? Doing well? Good deal. I'm glad to see you this morning. I'm excited because we're going to start a new series this morning called Practical Faith, and we're going to go through a survey of the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you would, grab your Bibles, mark your spot there if you haven't already. Uh, But what I'd like to do this morning is just simply start with our house. When When you think about our house and what the Bible teaches us about who we are as the church, as the body of Christ, I want you to start to think as a individual, as a person, with the knowledge and the understanding that you are God's house, that you are the temple of the living God. See, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds the church in verse uh, 16 in chapter 3, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you Every person that walks with Jesus, you are that temple. See, we take it from a foundation of understanding that we are the body of Christ. We are where God dwells, where God desires to live, not only in us, but through us. And I think as we look at at these passages that we're going to cover over the next several weeks, I think we need to take it from that foundation, that it, it is us That is me, that that God dwells in. I am the temple and that whatever I do to my body, whatever I do spiritually or morally in this lifetime affects the temple of the living God. See, we are all broken houses. We are all in the process of being restored by God. See, God is at work in our lives. God is doing things in our lives right now in this very moment that we don't even realize and see or even acknowledge that God has a hand on. See, the very fact that you're here this morning is a great reminder that God orchestrates things. God brings people together. He gathers the church, the body of Christ together so that we can learn and grow and discover all of the things that God has for you and I. See, as we watched this video, we we saw a perspective or we heard a perspective of two different men. See, Paul Tripp, he he says he walks into this house that his father-in-law takes him to and all he sees is junk. He sees it as it was, this broken house, not worth the time or the effort or the energy. But then he hears his, his father-in-law say something different. He sees the, and hears a perspective from this man that walks into this house and sees the potential. And not only does he see the potential for that house, but he says, I am willing I am willing to invest, I am willing to pour into, and I am willing to take the time necessary to restore this house. See, as the body of Christ, God puts us into each other's lives for that very person, and that's the heart that we should have as the people of God. As we see the body, as we see the temples of the living God, no matter what we see, we should see the hope We should see what God is doing. And we should see the potential in every person that we do life with. We should see each other through God's eyes. Well, this morning I've asked uh, Jaden Sobieski to come up. Let's give God a hand for Jaden. She's a brave trooper. 
I asked her to come up and she shared a story with me the other day about what God's doing in her life. And uh, I just wanted her to share this because I think it's reflective of, a, of the journey that we're about to go on. So Jaden, would you go ahead and just share what you shared with me? Sure. Um, so Floyd asked me to speak and I, just to let you know, if you ever want somebody to make a short story long, I'm the girl to go to. <laughs> so I'll try to keep very concise with this. So um, this story starts about approximately a year ago. I was at Reolink and at the end of Reolink, Michelle Potter asks me, she says, hey Jaden, we're doing this program with the youth, and um, I want to see if you would join us and, it, and help with this. It's a mentorship. It's a discipleship program where they pair up an adult in the church with one of the youth, and it's a year commitment, and you study the word with this person, and uh, you develop along the way. And in my mind, there's like all these alarms going, no, 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 don't do this. And... Um, I was very busy at the time, working 10, 12-hour days, and I'm like, I can't commit to this. There's just no way. Michelle gives me the material and says, please, just pray about it. And so I, I said, yes, okay, I'll pray about it. Didn't pray real earnestly. Just, I, I, it was like, okay, you know, kind of like those little shotgun prayers where you're like, all right, God, should I do this or not? Let me know. Um, <laughs> didn't really hear a lot coming back from that, and after a while, I just kind of stopped praying about it, and there was no answer. And so that was like, okay, guess I'm not doing this. And um, fast forward, now trust me, the story does all come together. But fast forward, I don't know, a few months, probably to about last March, my husband and I got this really neat thing called a date night, and we went out to dinner. And so we're sitting at BJ's one night, and it's just him and I, and I'm facing the door, and I looked at him, and I'm like, I don't have my glasses on, but I think that's Sammy Silva. And John turns and he's like, oh, yeah, it is Sammy Silva. I'm like, oh, okay. So Sammy comes over, to, as she's getting seated to her table, comes over and gives both John and I a hug. And I thought, that is so nice. What a nice girl. Because at this point in time, I don't really know Sammy. I know Sammy is Floyd and Janice's daughter. I know that she's in high school. I know that she really gives a cool factor to the band when she plays the bass up here. <laughs> and that's really pretty much what I know of Sammy. And, but that, I, all of a sudden I decided, you know, I'm going to pray for Sammy. Just, I'm going to pray for Sammy. Um, that night, I'm like, God, I want, I, I want to pray for Sammy. I don't know what she needs, what she wants, but just bless Sammy. And so my prayer became every night, bless Sammy. And then a couple, uh, probably a couple weeks after that, I end up at church on a Wednesday night when the youth group is here. Uh, Michelle and Jason invite me to stay for the whole thing. And after they worship and they separate in boys and girls, I, I sit down with the girls. And I kind of I started asking questions, and, and we were talking about being a Christian in a public school and what that looks like, and Sammy gives this great answer about what that is for her, and I'm thinking, wow, that was such an insightful answer. It was well thought out. It wasn't, um, like, overbearing. It was just, it really, I was like, what? That's pretty cool. I'm going to continue praying for Sammy. So a couple weeks after that, um, come home from work, getting ready to go to Leo, Rio Link, check my mail. I'm like, oh, there's something from Floyd and Janice here. Interesting. I open it up, picture of Sammy. She's graduating. I'm like, wow, this is so crazy. And I even told my husband, Sammy has just been on my mind, and I don't understand why. And thinking about this, thinking about the youth, and of course, back, going back to youth, I'm thinking, dang it, Michelle saw me relating to the kids. She's going to ask me to do this program again. And so sure enough, that night, we go to Reelink, and we're standing in Michelle's kitchen. She said, Jaden, I know things are a little bit easier for you now do you want to do this program? And I was like, Michelle, I knew you were going to ask me. All right, let me think about this. I'm not sure. I don't know. I knew this was coming up. And she said, I have somebody I want to pair you with. And I was like, okay, who? 
She's all Sammy Silva. I'm like, oh, geez. (laughs) I'm like, dang it. Now this is a, and and I'm telling Michelle, she's been on my mind. And Michelle's like, okay, you know, you do what you want. It's a God thing, but you you decide. And still said, okay, I'm going to think about it. And I got home and just about hit myself over the head with a two-by-four. And I'm like, what am I thinking about now? Everything is there. God is in my life. He's telling me, this is where you need to be, and this is what you need to do. And so I get up the next morning. First thing I do is I text Michelle, and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I opened myself up to that, and I'm so glad I did, because now I have this amazing friendship with this wonderful girl, I'm going to cry, sorry, <laughs> who's just um, so I don't know, her insight is just amazing. And one day Floyd came up to me and said, thank you for pouring into my daughter. And I'm like, no, your daughter is pouring into me. And it's amazing. We talk and we talk. And the very first night we, we met, we get to Barnes & Noble Starbucks at, at 6.30. And before we know it, we hear that, you know, attention, Barnes & Noble, we're closing in 10 minutes. We're like, oh my gosh, we've been here for three hours, four hours. So I opened myself up to that, who I was before, this happened, and who I am now um, is exciting, and I'm just excited to let this, keep this going. We talked about how this is a, a program is a year commitment, but it's not. It's a lifetime commitment. Sammy is going to be in my life in so, some way, somehow, forever, and I'm so thankful that God hit me over the head with a two-by-four and said, just do it, and I listened. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Let's give God a hand. Thank you. Thank you. think I'm going to cry also. So. See, I just wanted you guys to hear that because that, that's an example of, of everything that we're going to learn and do and grow as we go on this journey together, as we discover not only what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, but, but as we do life together, as, as we live together as, as the body of Christ in community and the importance of one another is just, it can't be expressed. You know, if I could just grab people and just shake them and say, do life together. I would, but you'd probably punch me if I did, and I don't want that. But that's the heart of what I believe God is doing in the church right now. He's reminding us of how important we are and how important it is that we pour into each other, and not just because we know something more than somebody else, but because we have something to offer and they have something to offer us. And so my heart this morning, my desire, is that we would be everything that God desires for us to be as the church. And we would go on this journey together, seeking and discovering and being open and taking steps of faith and doing all of those wonderful things that I believe God is asking us to do. And I tell you, the fruit of that will change your life, will change your world. So as we look at this book, 1 Corinthians, this letter to the church, I want us to note something here as Paul addresses the church, and this is important for us to understand. He identifies them as believers. See, as he addresses them, as he opens up this first chapter, he addresses them as fellow believers, and he he gives them this, this, this gratitude, this heart of thankfulness for who they are, even though in just a few moments he's going to correct them. He's going to guide them in some ways. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says this. He says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified, underline that, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together, underline that part too, with all those who in every place 
call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Immediately, Paul goes to the aspect of unity in the body. That oneness, that togetherness, those that are being sanctified, those that are being cleansed, those that are being restored, those that are being matured in the faith, all of those that walk with Jesus Christ. See, this letter is written to you and I. This letter is written to the church. And Paul's hope, Paul's desires that that not only the church at Corinth would understand, but you and I would, would understand the fact that we are to seek and understand these things that Christ has for us together as the church. And so this morning, we're gonna begin with the element of togetherness as the church. Paul begins with this because I think it's an important aspect of who we are as the body of Christ, this aspect of unity. See, because a house divided doesn't stand, but a house united is strong. The difference between a church that is split and doing its own thing and the difference between the church that is doing it together and standing strong together and united in Christ Jesus will make all of the difference in the world. See, if we want to be an impact in our community, which we do as the body of Christ, if we want to make a difference in our city, our Jerusalem, Rio Rancho, then we have to do it together. And we have to show a united front. And there are steps that that Paul offers us in these passages that we're about to read that will help us to move move towards that, that unification, that united front together as the body of Christ. But we have to listen. See, you and I are given a choice. See, we can choose to to see this house, our community is just broken and, and not worth the time or the energy or the effort. Or we can look around us and say, hey, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And you know what? I'm gonna start with me. I'm going to start with my own life because there's some things in my own life that God wants to do. There's some things in my life that God wants to change. You know, the greatest understanding we can have about God's word is that God is always doing something in us before he'll do something through us. See, what he does in us will reflect in how he uses us in the community because you'll, you'll see and you'll learn and you'll grow. If you haven't already, you'll understand that as you encounter different people, it's amazing the like-mindedness that God will create. The things that you struggle with, the things that you've struggled with, how others will have those same struggles. You know, my dad died when I was about 20 years old. Told you guys the story already. I won't get into that too much. But, but it's interesting to see how over the last 20-some years since his death, how God has orchestrated moments where other young men have lost their fathers at an early age. And I tell you what, if that wouldn't have happened in my life, I wouldn't have been able to relate in their lives. But it seems that God brings those individuals into my life so that I can pour into them, so that I can encourage them and remind them that we all mourn differently. We all struggle differently, but we're together in this struggle. And God placed us together. So you have a choice this morning. We're going to pray, then we're going to read our passages, and then we're going to make a decision. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, how it fills us, how it comforts us how it provides for us, and it gives us everything that we need, Father. I know that right now your spirit spirit is stirring our hearts.
And you're helping us, Father. You're, you're moving us to a place that we've never gone to before. And so, Lord, we, we ask that as we read these passages, that, that you would just open our eyes, soften our hearts, and help us to understand how, as the church, as your temple, as your body, how we go on this journey together and the steps that we as individuals have to take in order to allow you to work through us as the body of Christ. Lord, we give this moment to you, this time to you, and we give ourselves to you, and we do it all in Jesus' precious name. And the church says, amen. Well, if you would look at chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 10 through 17 together this morning, because Paul is making an appeal to the church, and it's an important important opportunity for us to kind of understand what the unity of the church, a church that is united, looks like. Starting in verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people Interesting, a little bit of gossip there, right? It's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did, all, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. See, there are three ways that Paul has given us that you and I, that we can be a house united. And the first one is so important. It's simply that we seek unity in Christ. We do it in Jesus' name. We put Christ at the center of our lives, and we do it in his name. Unity in Jesus Christ. In verse 10, he simply says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there are no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So when you hear that, what, what is Paul telling them to agree about? I mean, because we all have our own minds, we all have our own judgments, but what is Paul pointing towards? What is he saying here to them exactly? Well, I believe that, that Paul is saying that we need to be united in Jesus Christ, and it's a focus on the good news of Jesus. It's the gospel message. It's the essentials of what you and I believe as the church. It's the things that we do not divide over, that we unite in. And if we preach anything different, if we speak anything different, those are the only times when we move away from ourselves. And the Bible teaches us how to do that and when to do that when there's a false teacher. So this morning, I want to go over some of the things that we unite in just so we all understand and we know as the church. They're in your notes there. The first thing is that we believe that God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
That's an essential tenet of our doctrine, of what we teach, what we preach, what we should be united in. Many scriptures, but Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, he was the beginning. He is the Alpha, the Omega. See, the other thing that we stand united in is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is co-equal with the Father. He came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary, though fully man and was fully God. And he died on a cross so that you and I can have eternal life. See, those are the things that we unite on. These are the things that I believe Paul is, is telling the church, hey, make sure you stay focused on these things. The other thing here, and this is an important one, is the salvation aspect. How we understand what salvation is. And we believe and we trust that salvation is through Christ alone. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to the presence of God but through Jesus Christ. And it's through grace alone that we believe. See, there's nothing that we can do to make God, God love us any more or any less. No matter what you've done in your lifetime, I want you to know God loves you. Period. See, and he showed us this as we read in John three sixteen, where he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, it's through Christ alone. And then it's through grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, I think that was the problem that Paul was facing here in the church when he says you follow Paul, I follow, follow Apollos or, or whoever is that there were some men in the church that were boasting about how they do things and how good they are. And as the church, in our human nature, they were seeking to follow these men instead of following Jesus Christ and discovering and understanding where their faith comes from and what they should believe and what they should unite over and not divide over. See, because in Hebrews eleven six, it tells us this about our faith. It says, without faith... It is impossible to please him, which is God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, what we believe is important. What we understand about our faith is important. And together, we seek unity in these beliefs. We seek togetherness, this oneness. And that should be our priority. That should be what we move towards. See, when we do this, when we stand united and we believe this, then we're sure to do the second thing that Paul shows us here. And that's avoid meaningless arguments. How many of you guys like to argue? <laughs> Thanks for being honest. I do. I like to argue with my kids. It's the funnest, especially when it gets them frustrated. Sorry, kids. It's fun. Parents, you know what I'm saying, right? Sometimes they're just in our nature. We want to argue things. But you ever look back at these arguments? You know, I, I've been married for 26 years, and my wife and I have had some good arguments, okay? And uh, I didn't tell her I was going to share this, so show me some grace in this because she'll probably punch me afterwards, but that's okay. So we got married when we were really young, right? 26 years ago. I mean, we were like 12 when we got married, <laughs> all right? 
And so, so I didn't know how to argue. I, I didn't know how to, to bring healthiness into a relationship. All I knew is what I was taught growing up. And so what I was taught growing up was a lot of yelling. My dad liked to yell. That's how he resolved things, by screaming and yelling. And so I saw that, and because of that, I didn't want any more of that. I had enough of it. And so when her and I would get into an argument, it was a lot like this. Her saying, blah, 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 blah. That's all I heard, blah, 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 you know, kind of like the Peanuts guy. And me just saying, okay, excuse me, and I'd walk out the door. See, because I didn't like to argue. I didn't know how to argue. I didn't know how to resolve issues. I didn't know how to work through tough moments. The only thing that I knew to do was to be a little violent, to express my anger. And that wasn't healthy. That wasn't going to benefit our relationship. So over time, my wife and I, we learned how to argue. We came together together as, as individuals and we said, okay, this isn't working. You know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. We were both insane. <laughs> and we realized we were doing this. And we sat down and we said, okay, how do we work through this? What are some of the things that we need to do? And we just agreed simply that we would avoid meaningless arguments. We'd give each other a big umbrella of grace, knowing that maybe we have a difference of opinion, and that's okay. But we weren't going to argue and fight over everything. And we were going to come together as husband and wife and create a dialogue and a line of communication so that we could work together in our marriage, so that we could have success, so that we could be united together in our marriage. And Paul is saying this in these passages in verses 11 through 13. See, he hears these reports. He says, It has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there was quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And then he asks these questions, which I think really probably poked him in the heart. He says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What is this about? Does the body function on its own? Does the arm just remove itself from the rest of the body and do its own thing? Does the leg walk by itself with no body? He's saying, no. We have to come together and we have to understand that, that you know what? Sometimes our opinions, they don't need to be shared. I asked the question, who likes to argue? And the same people should probably raise their hand, but how many of you have an opinion? So I, I've got lots of opinions. If you ever want to sit down over a cup of coffee, I'll share a lot of them with you. I got lots of them. You know, my wife knows that. I'm very opinionated. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, and it's not that our, our, our opinions are bad. And don't get me wrong here. But, but sometimes our opinions they get in the way of what God wants to do, don't they? Would you agree with that? You know, because we feel the need to share an opinion or to say something about the color of the carpet or the, the color of the sky or whatever it is, and we don't realize how we're hindering, how we're getting in the way of what God is doing in somebody's life. See, because we have an opinion, and our opinion matters. And because it matters, we should express it. And I think P Paul is getting to here is he's saying, you know what? It's okay to have an opinion, but don't let it divide the church. Don't let it, don't let it hurt the church. Don't let it be anything 
but something that, that needs to bring us together. Learn to dialogue. Learn how to, to work together as a church. You know, here it's so real. We, we put out the statement, you'll hear me say it often, is that we are to love the people more than we love the idea of our ministry. And that's truly where I believe God word, God's word teaches us is that we love each other more than we love the idea of who you should be or who I should be. Now we help each other become, but we lead with love. We lead with the perspective and the mindset that, that we are all a broken house, that there's work yet to be done and God's doing that work and it takes a group of people, it takes a community of believers united together in the essentials working together and putting some of their opinions aside, the, the silly arguing over silly things, and working together as the church, as the body of Christ. In Colossians 3, I think this is perfect. If I, if I could get this tattooed on my shoulder, I would, but I'm afraid of needles. It's a beautiful verse. I would, i pass out. It's a beautiful verse. Daughter, you didn't hear that. Still not allowed for tattoos, sorry. All right, Colossians 3. Listen to what he says here. He's talking about, you know, moving from the bad things to the good things, how we clothe ourselves, what we put on. He says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And then he ends it like this. And he says, And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect, perfect harmony. Put on love that binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, that's why we avoid these little arguments. You know, Pastor Jerry, I don't know if you guys remember him, he's helping another church right now um, in the East Mountain. But he tells a story of a church that he helped um, somewhere out there. I won't name the name of the church, but he says they, they were getting together as a church. They were doing all the things they were trying to build and get and connect to the community. And they realized they needed to make some changes in the church. Well, one of the things that came up was there was a dead tree in the front of the church. And so they sat down as a leadership team and they looked at the dead tree and they said, okay, so what should we do with the dead tree? Well, half of the church said, get rid of it. It's dead, right? No brainer. But the other half, they said, no, let's keep it. It's been there for a long time and we love it. It's really nice. You know, we planted it 50 years ago when we, were, we moved in. Let's get rid of it. Let's not get rid of it. We want to keep it. The sad thing about that story is that that church divided over that. See, that's, that's when we love the idea of our ministry more than we love the people. That's what happens when we, we let foolish little arguments get in the way of what God wants to do in the lives of people. See, we shouldn't divide and, and separate over those little things. God doesn't desire for us. He desires this. He wants us to have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other as he has forgiven us. See, again, 
We have a choice. See, there's no doubt that God wants us to come together as the church. There's no doubt that he wants us to, to be united. The Bible teaches us that all the way across from A to Z, beginning to end. God's bringing his people together and he's bringing more and more in on it and he's gathering them together. See, that's why we gather on the weekends, right? And throughout the week to stir each other up, to remind each other of the faith and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because we know the days are drawing near that one day Jesus will come back. And I hope, I hope when he comes back, he finds his people, he finds his body working together united and not quarreling over some of these simple things. See, you and I, we we are to focus on the essentials of our faith. We are not to deviate from what we believe in who God is, who Jesus is, and what God is doing in the lives of people around us. All that other stuff, it's really not important. It really isn't. See, what Paul reminds us here, and this is probably one of the most important things that we can learn as believers, is he reminds us is that we are to remember our purpose. See, when we focus on our purpose, we're less apt to do some of these things that will deviate from what God wants for our lives. See, Jaden shared a story with us. And for me, not just because it was my daughter, but because what I saw in that story, what I heard in that story, was someone that was reminded of her purpose. See, and that purpose is simply for all of us. The calling that God has for each and every one of us is to share the hope of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. And for some of us, we think, well, you know, I'm not a preacher. I I can't do that. I'm not an evangelist. Well, yes, you are. You are an evangelist because an evangelist is just someone who proclaims the good news. See, and our lives should proclaim that. Whatever we do in word or deed, we should be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. But if we don't get out of our own little boxes, we'll never be able to do that. I'm not asking every one of you to come up and preach a message, but if you want to, talk to me. We'll see if we can't create the opportunity to do that. I'm not telling you guys that you have to lead a whole new ministry. I'm just saying that the Bible teaches us, remember what our purpose is. Remember who we are and what we've been called to do. See, it's, it's the great commandment, the greatest, loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and loving others. And then it's the great commission. We're sure to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And however you do that, do it. (laughs) And don't look for reasons why not to do it. Remember your purpose. Understand that you've been put on this earth to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, listen to how Paul says this. He says, I'm not gonna worry about this stuff. He says, because Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel to proclaim the good news and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. You hear that last little statement in there? Not with fancy words, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What do you think Paul's saying there? I want you to kind of think about that for a moment there. 
What, what do you think Paul's point is as he's, he's telling these individuals that he, to remember their purpose, that he remembers why he is here? See, what I see there is Paul saying simply this. He is saying that, that I have a story to tell. And I may not have the best words to tell it in. I may not be able to say it as smart, smart, smart as some, some people could say it. But you know what? I need to say it. See, because if I don't, listen to what he says. If I don't, then the power of the cross has been lost. Do you get that? Do you grab that right there? See, your story reveals the power of the cross. Your story shows that grace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And each one of us, that's our purpose. That's God's plan for every person that sits here. And the great thing about that is that we get to do that together as a church. We can do it united in Jesus Christ, focusing in all the things that God has for us. So I want to challenge you this morning. Remember I asked that I wanted you to make a decision this morning. I wanted you to, 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 to decide this morning what you're going to do. So as we, as we close, I'm going to read one last passage here in 1 Corinthians. I, I want to challenge you this morning to go on that journey. I know we use that word a lot here. Um, we've been even, someone even, someone even through that name is, you know, changing our name to the journey church, you know. Um, it's reflective of who we are. But I want to challenge you this morning. Are, are you on that journey with someone? Are you, are you doing life together, united as, in the, as the body of Christ? I don't know where, where you're at right now. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I believe he's doing something. And I, I want to challenge every person that sits in this room, every person that's listening. And not because Floyd says it, but because God, God's word says it. I want to challenge you. Take a step of faith. Go on that journey with someone. Whether it be you, you connect with a small group, a real link that meets throughout the week, where, whether you find a ministry, whether it be the ladies' ministry or a men's ministry, a men's breakfast, whatever it is, go on that journey. Find somebody to do life with. Stand together, united in Jesus Christ. Take that step of faith. I know it's hard. I know it's scary. And again, that, that's why I brought Jaden up because her and Samantha are a real life example of if you just take that step, it will change you. It will make a difference in your life. I want you to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians. Jump over to verse 26. And I'm just going to read all the way through verse 31 together. He says this, starting in verse 26 for consider your calling brothers again remember your purpose not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many were powerful and not many were of noble birth but god chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise god chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong god chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring nothing things that are, to, to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, 
righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. See, you may not think a whole lot of yourself, but God thinks highly of you and he will use you to change somebody's life. He will use you to make a difference in the world around us. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for every heart that's here this morning. Lord, because I know that every person that sits in these chairs means everything to you, Father. I know that your love is amazing and it's so full of riches and so full of just everything that we need, Father. Lord, I pray that uh, as we go away from here, Lord, that we would, we would be those, the church that you've called us to be, that we would take those steps of faith to just reach out, to love each other, to encourage each other, and that we would do it in, in meekness and in kindness and in your love, seeing each other through your eyes. Father, because there is potential in every life. There is meaning for every life. Father, you've expressed that to us. You've shown that to us. And you've given that to us, Father. And so, Lord, I pray as we, we sing this last song, as, as we worship you, that we would be reminded of our purpose, our calling, and that we would stand together united as the body of Christ, as the church. And as we go on this journey together, Father, that, that we would humble ourselves and that we would seek to discover all the things that you have for us. Lord, I thank you, I praise you, and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.